0: Hey, everyone. This is Seth from the future, and Zach and I inadvertently forgot to thank Matt for helping us out with last week's episode because of pod time. The episode was recorded before we had Matt on, and it slipped our mind. So we just wanted to thank Matt for being on the show. Matt, you were awesome to have on the show, and it was great having your help navigate the very confusing world to us of cars. So thank you, Matt, and... All right, now on to the episode of Mortal Kombat. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers.
1: We are the Classic Gaming Brothers.
0: That's right that's right all right that's roll right. the X ex- outro <laughs> we haven't done that joke probably like 20 episodes so i felt like yeah, it was due it's,
1: it's, yeah we're allowed to recycle jokes because we do it all that's the time. true
0: i don't view it as uh recycling i view it as upcycling because mm. the jokes just get better the more you tell them
1: that's true and is it really recycling if no one's heard the joke before that's
0: true that's very true. There could be somebody who's listening to this for the very first time and have has never experienced that joke. That's
1: right. Maybe they saw the title of the episode uh, when they were looking up information about the certain movie that came out.
0: Doubtful. But anyway, continue.
1: <laughs> no, and then this is how they get introduced Ooh, to our To podcast. the Classic
0: Gaming Brothers. Well, if you are here because you are interested in Mortal Kombat, bear with us for one moment while Zach and I catch up and talk about what we've recently been playing. So, Zach, what have you been recently been playing?
1: Seth, recently I've been playing a game called Devotion, which was created and published by Red Candle Games and originally released in 2019. Devotion is a psychological first-person horror game. The story takes place in the apartment of a man named Feng Yu, and you kind of go through his memories living in that apartment throughout the 1980s. As you go through his memories, you learn that his daughter was claimed by a mysterious illness, and his wife, who previously had this great career as an actress, slowly started to stagnate in her career, and eventually... They divorced and the family started to deteriorate. At least that's what it seems like happened. Because as you learn through reliving his memories, there's more to the story than um, what lets on. I don't want to give too much away, um, but the game does pull a lot of influence from Taiwanese history of that time period in the 1980s, as well as the culture of China and Taiwan um, in terms of the family structure and stuff like that. The game is very specific, I think to the audience where if you're unfamiliar with elements of taiwan or china there might be some things that might not necessarily come off as um, obvious to you but it's still a very interesting game it's also a very scary game there are a lot of mannequins for some reason (laughs) Um, and they move around when you're not looking at them at times and it's terrifying now devotion as a disclaimer did kind of get a lot of negative attention back in 2019 when it was released on steam so for those who might not be aware or maybe who remember hearing about the game devotion was released originally on steam and it was discovered that there was an art asset in the game that was briefly seen on one of the walls and it's not really like a plot element to it it was actually a placeholder art asset however the art asset did negatively compare china's current president to a famous disney bear who wears a red shirt and goes by the name of winnie the pooh (laughs) needless to say that got very negative feedback from china and the game was actually pulled from steam due to that negative feedback later on it was announced that gog or good old games was going to be carrying the game however on the same day they announced that, that they were carrying the game they also announced that they were no longer going to carry the game due to negative feedback coming from most likely from
0: china <laughs> <laughs> who knows Ah, uh, who knows four thousand angry bots
1: finally Um, just this past year Red Candle Games actually opened up a shop on their website where you can purchase the game and download it directly from their website as their servers are located in Taiwan you might get a um, like a hit on your credit card when you try to buy it saying like are you spending money in Taiwan but that's just because their servers are located there they just don't have ways of they're, they're not using PayPal they're not using like an Amazon service just because of restrictions in Taiwan on those services so they're kind of doing what they can but it's a, it's a really interesting game the art asset is actually removed so it's not even in the game if you play it now um, again it had nothing to do with the storyline um so the the game is is completed and it's it's available to be played via their their store I recommend checking it out if you can. It's it's really, really, really terrifying, but in a good way. And yeah, that is Devotion.
0: For a second, when you were talking about Devotion, I thought you were talking about the game where you play as a priest and it's a first-person shooter.
1: No, not that game.
0: Does that game, is does it, does it have a name that's similar to Devotion? Maybe,
1: I don't remember. I know what you're talking about, though.
0: So recently, uh, I've been playing a game. I actually beat a game for once in my life. It was pretty exciting. Uh, it was a shorter game, so I guess I don't, I shouldn't get a lot of credit. But yeah, I, don't I know did if you get points for that. I, I, I'd give myself like a half point on this, but I did beat a game. I was playing a game called Santa Monica by Night, and it was created by Outstar and Memories in 8 Bit, which I assume both are their given names. I think so. Ah, this is your child. What shall it be named?
1: After my grandfather memories in (laughs) 8-bit.
0: Anyway, the game is a pixel graphic adventure game. Uh, A little point-and-click action, as I often do. And it takes place in Santa Monica, hence the name Santa Monica by Night. And it, in fact, takes place at night oh. in Santa Monica. And it is revolves around the story and the world of Vampire the Masquerade and uses the material from Vampire Bloodlines, which was the game developed by Troika so many years ago. The story brings you through as a newly embraced vampire, meaning you are a new vampire, okay. and you are trying to find someone for your sire who is the person that made you a vampire. And you go through meeting all sorts of characters who many of them are from the original game. And you get led onto this sort of simplistic mystery to figure out what happened to your sire's buddy and then you get to decide a a final choice at the end of the game on how you want to resolve the whole game itself. It's fun. It probably took me maybe just about an hour maybe a little less. The thing that I think was very interesting about this game was it was done for a vampire jam back in 2019 and was created in only seven days. Game jams are really popular where you get a limited amount of time and you need to bring a completed game as or as completed as you can game to the the competition and you you put it out there and I actually got all the vampire jam games when they were brought out or I picked up a bunch of them or I tried so I did something I got I got it in my collection and I was really interested in playing it back in 2019 I just never got around to it and I'm glad that over the last couple weeks I actually decided to sit down and actually play it through because I felt like it was a a pretty good game, especially if you're a fan of uh, Vampire Bloodlines. I I would recommend just checking this game out. It's, once again, it's a really quick game. It is also tip-only type game, which is on itch.io. You can go to download it, and you can give a tip to the creator if you so desire. You can just just opt to just get it for free. If you want to check the game out, you can always head that over, check it out, you can play it for free. Tip the creator afterwards if you feel so inclined. My favorite part of the game was the artwork. The, the creators that put it together were able to really replicate pixel graphics from Vampire Bloodlines. It, it felt like playing a pixel adventure game set in Vampire Bloodlines which I felt like was really good and they, they kind of allowed uh, certain characters to change over time and I thought it was really cool that they kind of like brought you back to the world for just a, a little sneak peek as it were. So today's episode we are going to talk about a very fun game yeah and that is
1: mortal kombat
0: finish him fatality so zach would you like to talk about your memories or i can talk about my memories of mortal kombat
1: Well, uh, my memories at least are that we had some family friends, and I remember they had a Sega Genesis, and I think they later had a PlayStation, but that's not related. Uh, But um, they they had a copy of Mortal Kombat for the Sega Genesis. I think they had Mortal Kombat 1. And I remember my friend showing me that you could put blood in the game by putting in a code, which was probably one of the earliest times I saw digitized blood in a video game that I can remember. Yeah, Um, for sure. And it was bloody, to say the least. I mean, to today's standards, it's certainly not as gory as as Doom is. But it was still, you know, a, a violent game. Um, and I remember it certainly was different looking than a game that we owned, which was Street Fighter 2, that we had on the Sega Genesis.
0: Right. So different, but yet so similar in regards yeah. to the... I mean, it's a fighting game. So there's, you know, there's so much in regards to the core gameplay. It doesn't really change, right? You have one person fighting against another person and your objective is to beat that person. These type of fighting games really haven't really iterated much beyond adding more and more features to them. Like if you pick up Injustice 2, the DC fighting game, it still has very similar core gameplay mechanics as Mortal Kombat. And if you pick up Mortal Kombat 11 or whatever number they're on. Now, same, similar core mechanics. Obviously, ton more characters, ton more features, ton more graphics, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you you are playing as a character, and you are trying to beat up another character, and you are fighting them. So my my memories actually send back to a uh, an arcade that was um in our hometown that was part of a billiards. It was like an arcade and billiards. Yeah, and I remember that place. I am one hundred percent sure that they had a copy of Mortal Kombat. I think. And- all right I always felt when I went especially as younger if I, if I went to the arcade there were always like older kids playing in the Mortal Kombat game and you kind of like could just eye from a distance like what was going on and I just knew it was it was it was bloody and it was like photorealistic with the people so yeah. that was yeah. the other real departure from Mortal Kombat to Street Fighter was that it just felt dirtier I guess like grittier um, than Street Fighter because Street Fighter is you know cartoony graphics and the style. I feels lighter, like the actual coloring is lighter in Street Fighter than it is in Mortal Kombat like Mortal Kombat is just a dark game and like with that darkness and the abundance of blood or whatever the green effect that they have if you don't have blood on
1: I think it looks like sweat
0: or sweat yeah so like with like that sweat effect even still it's like to me putting them side by side Mortal Kombat is just a a darker dirtier kind of grittier game than Street Fighter is which I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think it's just you can put them next to each other and you can realize that they are similar genres but they are definitely different games yeah for sure. So, we've uh, talked about throughout our episodes, we've talked about arcade games. Uh, we've also talked about home console games and we've talked about home consoles themselves as well. Um, so we've kind of we we kind of tr- go back and forth where we talk about different arcade cabinets, different arcade games, we talk about home console games, home consoles themselves. We try to give like a good spread throughout the different iterations of video games in the past. What are the tactics that a lot of video game um, arcade game developers would use was with the advent of home consoles was enabled in order to make sure that their game was getting into more you know getting more of a, a spread they weren't just releasing arcade cabinets they were porting their video games to the home console in order to A, continued to capture that audience as home consoles started to be a rising force, especially against arcades. These manufacturers and developers of video games for arcades were like, well, we don't don't care if we sell this game in a home console or we sell it in an arcade cabinet. We're going to make money regardless. Or we need to make money regardless because if the arcade cabinet business goes away, we need to fill it with what we're doing and that's going to be get it to the home console. And in my opinion, and maybe Zach's opinion. One of those that that Mortal Kombat is that game that really stood out as a truly early 90s arcade scene game, like a game that you you'd get in any of your arca- local arcades, also dominating the home console market. And it felt very blended in regards to like, oh, I saw this at the arcade and now I see it on the Super Nintendo or the Sega Genesis. Um, right. Especially for me because it, it was such a over-the-top game that you you definitely paid attention when Mortal Kombat was in the arcade, as it were.
1: And, like, and going right there, with the game being on the Sega Genesis and the Nintendo, and we'll touch upon this a little later too, but it really was the game of like that defines the bit wars of that time period so when people talk about bit wars they're talking about the war between nintendo and sega you know 8-bit versus 16-bit and then super nintendo 16-bit versus sega 16-bit and during that time period people would throw out games saying oh nintendo's got mario well sega's got sonic the perfect game for comparison was mortal kombat so that was often the game that was used as the deciding factor for why someone bought a sega versus why someone bought a super Nintendo, and to this day, I've heard stories of people saying, "I bought a Sega because of Mortal Kombat." Like it was a deciding factor for some people. They bought it because of the blood.
0: Also, I'm, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but Mortal Kombat was also a very controversial game because of the yes. blood. Yes. To go back to its roots, Mortal Kombat was created by the company Midway, and we've mentioned Midway in the past, and and we'll mention Midway again. They were a very dominant company when it came to arcade games and they created a a lot of great, great video games. So I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about Midway since I don't think we've actually done like a little history on them. And I think they have, they have an interesting history. We may actually even bring in an entire episode about Midway themselves, but just for a little sneak peek into that history there. So Midway was a company that started out in 1958 and they were originally called Midway Manufacturing. And what they did was they built amusement games, which would eventually find their ways, the products of Midway Manufacturing, into Midways. Because Midways were locations at fairs where the uh, games, rides, and entertainments usually existed. And this terminology for Midway came from a early, early on World's Fair, where there, the location where all the games was was called like the Midway Plaza or something like that, mm-hmm. and from then on, everyone just called that section of the amusement park fair, what have you, whatever gathering of a lot of people and unsafe vehicles and prizes like um, machines that will take all your money, and uh, that's it's going to be a Midway. So eventually, uh, Midway Manufacturing was purchased by Bally Manufacturing in 1969, and uh, they go go on to refer to themselves as like Midway Bally for a while. They, at one point in time, they decided to uh, pivot into creating video games to move away or to in part to be they noticed that all right so we're good at entertainment and we can make these fun entertaining like shooter games like at for an amusement park we could probably make an arcade cabinet game or a video game let's try to do into video games so midway started working on video games and they handled the u.s distribution of space invaders in 1978 which if you want to hear more about we talk about in our fixed shooter episode back in episode episode 72 uh midway was also the uh developers of some fun games that you may have heard of such as ms pac-man rampage mba jam the cruising series such as Cruisin' in the usa and of course mortal kombat
1: mortal kombat <laughs> I'm going to do that every time.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. They, Midway, unfortunately, did eventually declare bankruptcy just in 2011. So from 1958 to 2011, pretty good run. And actually, a majority of their assets were bought by Warner Brothers. Hence a Mortal Kombat movie in 2021 being created by Warner Brothers. Ooh. <laughs> Midway will, I don't, I, I feel like Midway is one of those companies that just kind of always creeps up on us, especially in this podcast, because Midway did do a, a lot of video games during the time that we like to talk about. So we will probably refer to them again. And we did also, as I mentioned before, that Mortal Kombat was very controversial. We did mention Mortal Kombat briefly in our most controversial video game episode episode, which is episode Mm. 47, we do primarily spend our time talking about Night Trap in that episode, which was also a controversial video game. However, Mortal Kombat is like the game that I would expect controversy to come from. Like when you think of a controversial video game, especially if you think of a controversial video game from the 90s, you probably are thinking to yourself, yeah, Mortal Kombat, that's controversial. I was watching some gameplay footage of the original Mortal Kombat to provoke some of that nostalgic memory to come through and uh, within the first I don't want to say 10 minutes Scorpion ripped off his face and it was a skull and he burned fire up his component opponent at the time who I think was Johnny Cage
1: so to get into the history of Mortal Kombat the game was developed primarily by two guys Ed Boone and John Tobias who were developers at Midway Games they created Mortal Kombat Largely, in part, due to the success of Street Fighter, and specifically Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior, not to be confused with the Road Warrior, which
0: is a Mad Max film.
1: (laughs) I don't know why I just found that hilarious. Whenever I think of World Warrior, I think of the Road Warrior.
0: Right. Well, and to be honest, I think when I think Super Street Fighter Two, I don't actually think of Super Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior. I think of Super Street Fighter Two Turbo. Yes. Which I think came out after. The World Warrior. It did.
1: Um, It was just made to be faster. Street Fighter 2, the World Warrior, was created by Midway's competitor, Capcom. Ed and John were were tasked with this essentially difficult task of putting together a fighting combat game. And it had to be done within a year since Capcom was beating them up with that genre. And as Seth wrote in the notes, the pun is intended there.
0: That's right. Capcom was taking them to the cleaners. (laughs) I just wanted to put in a bunch of more fighting jokes in there. Midway
1: was—they uh, were tapping out. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Perhaps Capcom punched them out. Ooh, Midway was about
1: to bring the brutality. Anyway, <laughs> according to Boone and Tobias, they wanted the game to feature digitized characters and be similar to another arcade game called Karate Champ. Uh, the success of Street Fighter 2 reportedly helped them convince Midway of this idea and set them down on the path to create what became Mortal Kombat.
0: The Karate Champ and Mortal Kombat, we, we go back to this, they are, they are both fighting games. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, they very much have a entirely different style. Karate Champ was an old NES game, right? Well, it was it ported over to the
1: NES, I think. It was originally in the arcades, yeah.
0: And you, like, played on this, like, you were in this dojo and yeah. it was, like, 2D characters and you had both of them in karate uniforms and you had to fight in front of your like sensei and your the other people or the dojos but it was completely done on a a 2d there was no upwards and downwards movement there was just backwards and forwards movement and uh yeah, and there was 16, I think there was 16 combinations of biting or something with that. You weren't ripping anyone's spines out. No spines get ripped out in Karate Champ, for sure. And it's also very cartoony, like pixel cartoony.
1: <laughs> so there was another story about how the game came about that was told by Daniel Pacina and Richard Divizio, who were actors that played Kano and Johnny Cage. Their story was that John Tobias, Richard Divizio, and Daniel and Carlos Pacina planned to create a ninja-themed fighting game but they were outright rejected by Midway. Midway wanted to create a game featuring a digitized version of John Claude Van Damme based on his film Universal Soldier, but negotiations were already on the way with another company to make that game, which never actually came out. Divizio states that he convinced Tobias to return to the original project they had envisioned, and the character of Johnny Cage would actually evolve from a parody of Van Damme, with Johnny Cage's initials JC coming from Jean-Claude.
0: The original team that created Mortal Kombat included Boone and Tobias. Ed Boone acted as the programmer and John Tobias was one of the artists. Uh, They also had John Vogel who was an artist and Dan Forden as a sound designer. The game was reportedly developed in about 10 months from 1991 to 1992 and apparently the footage for the characters were all recorded with Tobias's personal high eight camera now the demo version was Internally, very, very popular within the Midway's office. And due to that popularity, the team was given some more time to complete the project. The final game used eight megabytes of graphics with each character having 64 colors and 300 frames of animation, which is pretty cool. I also like, because NBA Jam came out after Mortal Kombat came out and they were both developed by Midway. And I just feel like the technology they used to digitize Mortal Kombat, characters they kind of used to help digitize NBA Jam characters and I just I just like that there's a world that exists where you could get Johnny Cage or Scorpion playing NBA Jam Were they
1: featured in one of them?
0: I don't know if they're featured. They should be. That'd be great if they were unlockable. Yeah, that would have been great. Or Bill Clinton was unlockable in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Get over here! (laughs) (laughs) So the game's ultra-violent content was not actually originally intended. According to Tobias... It was something that came in gradually it reportedly the concept of fatalities, which uh, we talk about a little bit later was developed because Ed Boone really hated the dizzy mechanic in fighting games. And, but he really liked the idea of getting a free hit. So the decision was to remove the dizzy mechanic out from the Mortal Kombat game and have it only happen at the very end when the outcome has already been decided which is why in Mortal Kombat you will go dizzy at only at the end of the game but in Street Fighter you can go dizzy throughout the match yeah it's because Ed Boon disliked it well yeah according to the the recess of classic gaming archives
1: so the name Mortal Kombat for those of you who don't know it's spelled with a k <laughs> I don't know if we made that point clear yet but Mortal Kombat Combat is spelled with a K. The name of the game uh, came about in two potential ways because there's actually two slightly different stories about how the name came about. One story was that during the trademark process, John Tobias said that they had already come up with the name Mortal Kombat, but with a C. However, they couldn't get it past legal because of a trademarking issue. So they changed C to a K so they could get it through legal. Another story was that Ed Boone, during the process of coming up with a name that everyone could agree on, wrote down the word combat with a C, and someone scratched out the C and replaced it with a K, which then prompted pinball designer Steve Ritchie to suggest Mortal Kombat as the title with with the K. Mortal Kombat takes place in a fictional universe that contains 18 realms that all fight in this tournament called. Mortal Kombat. That's about it for the plot. <laughs> I mean it's to be fair that each character I think has their own lore to them. So for example Scorpion and Sub-Zero who are two ninja characters are always portrayed as being mortal enemies to each other with Sub-Zero's clan being the polar enemy to scorpions clan
0: and then eventually they introduced chameleon
1: yes chameleon who was just a green version and similarly there's always a conflict between the character of kano and uh sonia blade who they're always in some form of conflict with e- with each other
0: and i'm pretty sure that there was a lack of actors when it came to mortal combat when they were digitizing yeah it was and only like a that's few people. Scorpion and Sub Zero are the same person, and color. and
1: Reptile, yeah,
0: <laughs> and and Reptile, they're all the same person, just with like color themed different.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they're literally just color-swapped versions. As with other fighting games, in the single-player campaign, you go against multiple, multiple people until finally you encounter some final bosses. The first boss being Goro, who's a creepy monster guy with four arms. And the second boss being Shang Tsung, who's this kind of old floaty guy, and he can shapeshift into various other fighters. They, those are like staple characters also to Mortal Kombat. If like you've seen any piece of media, you've probably seen a picture of Goro with his like four arms.
0: Eventually there's a horse guy that comes in, right? Yes,
1: I forget his name, but he is he is a horseman.
0: There's there's, the there's so game. many characters right now. I <laughs> what I really like about Goro is that everybody else that is in the game that you fight is like normal. Like they're like yeah, they they may be a little weird, like one of them's a cyborg, Raiden's like a lightning god, but like They're all decidedly human. Yeah. (laughs) Except for Goro, who's just like this. Like, if they didn't add Goro, they could have just been fun, normal humans with like some with weird powers. Yeah. But then they're like, and then there's Goro, which implies either there's mutants, because that's why Goro has four arms, or there's a race of four-armed monsters. Which there are. They're called the
1: Shokan, which is what Goro is he's a Shokan and there's actually other Shokans that are introduced in later games but in 1992 it was just Goro. I know it was just
0: Goro which in 1992 you just like is this just a weird dude like what's going on over here?
1: Why's he got so many arms? (laughs) So
0: part of the appeal of
1: Mortal Kombat besides the digitized graphics was the extreme graphic violence and the gore which was a large departure from games like Street Fighter, which arguably, while it's a fighting game, were a bit more family-friendly. Characters could perform what were called fatalities against an opponent. It allowed the winning player to kill their opponent in often ridiculous ways. So for example, as Seth mentioned, the character Scorpion will light his opponent on fire using a flame breath from his skull face, while his rival Sub-Zero rips out the opponent's spine. <laughs> Another person, Jax, who has metal arms, um, smashes people's heads. You can knock people down a pit of spikes. It's, it just gets brutal. There are also variations of these fatalities. Uh, There was something called friendship, where the players would do something fun together, like Sub-Zero building a snowman (laughs) or dancing. There was animality, where a character could turn into an animal, or babality, where characters turned into babies. It just gets wild. It's just bizarre, you know tricks and secrets that were in the game
0: yeah and it was all based on the button combination that you pushed once they were dizzied at the end exactly so if you knew the combination to do a babality you would do it and, and you know what would be fun is you show off to your friends because you'd be like guess what i could do and you're you would get them to dizzy and then you would show off to your friends whether it's in the arcade or at home in the home consoles and you would do these weird these weird endings and you would get you would get some street cred right yeah. it would be like it would be great so as we, we usually do we'll, we'll just talk through the numbers do, do, um, do, do, do. mortal Kombat did really well in arcades <laughs> i mean come on It's Mortal Kombat. It was reported that by September of 1992, it was the second most popular upright comp cabinet, which was a game that came out in 1992. The game grossed $300 million in 1993, which exceeded box office gross of Jurassic Park that came out in 1993. And that was the arcade cabinet. So they were doing pretty well. Now, they did work with Acclaim. So Acclaim handled a lot of Midway's home consoles because Midway was good at building arcade cabinets and they were good at building amusement park machines. They were not great at getting consoles like video games, the cartridges shipped. Um, so they worked with Acclaim. So they gave Acclaim worked with porting the technology to cartridges and handled that side of distribution. So when you play a game like NBA Jam or Mortal Kombat, you'll always see Midway, and then you'll always see Acclaim, or mostly. And so by November of 1993, Acclaim reported that they had shipped over three million copies of the game for home systems. By 1995, the home cartridge sold more than six million and grossed more than 300 million in sales. With the combination of licensing fees from films and TV shows, the revenue ended up in total being $1.5 billion by 2002. That's billion with a B. So then you're wondering, like, if you have ever thought down and sat and were like, why is there so many Mortal Kombat's? And why are we getting a movie of Mortal Kombat in 2021? Just go back to 2002 where they were having revenues of billions of dollars from this franchise. It truly was was great in regards financially. Yeah. I mean I like I I I'm a fan of Mortal Kombat. Uh the the game was compared favorably to uh, in terms of graphics to another game called Pit Fighter. But the gameplay was criticized. People did find it slower to Street Fighter Two, which we talked about. Um, well, we didn't really talk about, but Zac we were talking about with the Street Fighter Two Turbo edition was faster. Yeah. Street Fighter Two and Street Fighter Two Turbo, of course, played a lot faster than Mortal Kombat. So Mortal Kombat just played like a slower fighting game. They did... The home versions of the games were also, though, even though they were criticized for being slower, the home consoles were lauded for their port accuracy. So port accuracy is important when you're bringing a arcade game to your home console. You want it to play like the arcade game. What you don't want is for the arcade game to be very popular, then bring it to the home console and for it to not play anything like the arcade game because that makes people mad. And it does happen sometimes. However, it didn't happen with Mortal Kombat. It was accurate to playing it in the arcade fans did notice that the snes version had no blood however the sega genesis version did include a blood which i think you had to unlock with a code yep and had fatalities and overall sold and scored better than the snes version yeah probably because sega does what nintendo mortal kombat would become a household name. Thanks largely to the ports for the systems like the Sega Genesis and the SNES, not only did the game see sequels such as 1993's Mortal Kombat 2 and 1995's Mortal Kombat 3 but also many spin-off games like Mortal Kombat Mythologies Sub-Zero, Mortal Kombat Special Forces and Mortal Kombat Sh- uh, Shaolin Monks there was also a crossover with DC in 2008 with Mortal Kombat versus the DC Universe the most recent game was released in 2019 titled Mortal Kombat 11 <laughs> And features characters from other franchises, such as Spawn from Image, Joker from DC, RoboCop, Rambo, the Terminator, and many more. It's hilarious. So you ever want to just have Spawn fight the Terminator and watch them do extremely gratuitous things with violence go grab mortal kombat 11
1: oh it's so good it's so silly
0: (laughs) you could see how successful the franchise is is that midway which was the creator of mortal kombat went bankrupt in in 2011 however mortal kombat 11 was released (laughs) in 2019 so the franchise was successful it just wasn't It just couldn't carry Midway through to life.
1: Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 does have this fun thing, just a brief tangent, every character has an interaction with the opponent at the beginning of each match. So when you get DLC characters like Rambo, Terminator, Spawn, etc., they have interactions with Mortal Kombat characters. The Rambo ones are hilarious. Rambo was voiced by Sylvester Stallone, and (laughs) literally, you'll have like... You'll have like Sub-Zero who will be like, who will talk about his clan. And then Rambo will be like, oh, I see that war hasn't changed. They got Sylvester Stallone to like call in these lines. And he did them with the least amount of energy possible. He just sounds so bored. Now, along with the sequels, the game also inspired films and plenty of other, other media. In 1995, we saw Mortal Kombat The Movie, Uh, which was released in theaters, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who would later go on to direct the Resident Evil movies. Mortal Kombat was a fairly successful movie, ranked in at about $122 million on release, but it did kind of receive some mixed reviews. Um, To this day, it's kind of marked as like a cult classic and mostly just popular with Mortal Kombat fans. A sequel, directed this time by John R. Leonetti, was released in 1997. This sequel, called Mortal Kombat Annihilation, followed up directly from the end of the first movie, but features almost an entirely new cast, who look nothing like the original actors. So, like, the first scene of Annihilation is the last scene of Mortal Kombat 1995, but it's like, everyone's different.
0: Oh, that's weird. It's
1: very weird. (laughs) The game, the movie also, like, just looks worse. Like, the, the effects are definitely... Way worse. This this ended up reflecting in the box office because the film only grossed fifty-one million dollars against
0: a thirty million dollar budget. Which is probably why we didn't see a Mortal Kombat movie for a very long time.
1: That's right. In fact, this year, 2021, a new movie was released in both theaters and on HBO Max, known just simply as Mortal Kombat, and directed by Simon McQuaid. This movie is notable for Having an R rating, which unlike the previous two films, which were rated PG-13. So yes, that's right, Seth, who's giving me a look. Mortal Kombat 1995 and Annihilation were PG-13 rated Mortal Kombat movies, meaning they were violent,
0: but they weren't R rated violent. And they weren't, so they weren't as violent as the video games.
1: Right. This movie is violent. (laughs) This movie is more violent than the original that's for sure it also pulled a lot of inspiration from some of the later games in the franchise including some characters who show up who were from later games also so now between the time of the first movie and 2021 there were plenty of other forms of mortal Kombat. there were a few animated films there was a 1996 animated television series it only lasted a season there was a 1998 live action television series again only lasted a season there was a stage play there was a comic book there was a comic book there were collectible cards just plenty of forms of media out there for Mortal Kombat. This was an IP, so this was everywhere. I mean, if it existed, there's Mortal Kombat of it.
0: They also had plenty of action figures, which you generally could tell if there's a an animated or television series, there's probably some toys floating around. Video games don't. It wasn't always so. I feel like nowadays, many many, especially the very big video games like your Fortnights and stuff like that, you get action figures associated with them. Halo. halo Halo, Call of Duty, Fortnite, they all have like action figures that are associated with them. However, that wasn't the case back in like 94, 95. Video games didn't really have the power to get action figures made. You needed to have either a toy company that wanted to make action figures or have uh, some sort of more drawn out type of series. Even movies wouldn't necessarily dictate an action figure. Though Mortal Kombat having a a couple of video games, some animated films, some live action films, some box office films, television did meet the criteria to get action figures. And there's actually a bunch of series of action figures And perhaps one day we'll talk about Mortal Kombat action figures in depth. But until such day, it's not today. However, we're at the end of the show. That's right. Well, we're at the end of the Mortal Kombat segment. That's going to be everything you wish to know about the 92 version of Mortal Kombat. We may talk about Mortal Kombat again perhaps later Mortal Kombat editions I mean to be honest once again to go back to what we talked about from the beginning the gameplay doesn't really change just the characters get added maybe a story changes a little bit but at the end of the day fight it's a fighting game, game. is fight
1: yeah. <laughs> a fighting game
0: <laughs> though I think I think we would we do deserve to tell the other side of the story and talk have an episode about Street Fighter yes like, and um, talk a little bit about Capcom. Oh, we can
1: talk about the Street Fighter movie, too.
0: Oh, and the Street Fighter movie, which was also very successful. <laughs> <laughs> we should just have a, a watch party where we watch both the Mortal Kombat movie... The 1995 the, one. 1995 one. And then we watch the Street Fighter movie. The,
1: the TV show I mentioned that was on for one season. The live-action show is on HBO Max now.
0: Anyway, so to get into our B'Wuppa... B'Wuppa. You infer. i I'll go first. Okay. You in first. So I'm actually... Excited about a game. Uh the game already came out for it's been out for uh, almost two years for the PlayStation, but will be coming out for the PC on May 18th, and that's Days Gone by Ben Studio, where you ride and fight into a deadly post-pandemic America and play as Deacon St. John, who is a drifter and a bounty hunter who rides the broken road, fighting to survive while searching for a reason to live and an open world action adventure game, which sounds a lot of fun. Uh, actually, my fiance's dad told me that he was playing this game, and he <laughs> was like, "It's like he's like it's like Red Dead, except where you could fight zombies." And I said, "Oh, that could be fun." So, open world action adventure game. I I feel like the games that are done up for the PlayStation. This is actually published by PlayStation. The games that are done up for the PlayStation are usually. Uh, pretty well put together for games so they're pretty um, polished experiences and i think that riding around in a post-pandemic america in a post-pandemic america while fighting zombies would be a, a pretty fun experience and killing zombies uh yeah i'll put it down as a bye yeah i'll put it down as a bye don't me to talk about my weight pass yeah, go ahead.
1: All right. So my weight pass Seth is a game called Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX. It's uh, being developed and published by a company called Merge Games. And uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX is a reimagining of the classic Alex Kid in Miracle World, which came out in 1986 and was a game for the Sega Master System.
0: Wow, they had games? <laughs> they did have
1: games. In fact, a fun fact, Alex Kid was sega's mascot up until they released this little game called sonic the hedgehog
0: that's true alex
1: kid in miracle world is it's completely reimagining of that original 8-bit game for the sega master system this time it's an hd with fluid updated graphics that kind of look almost hand-drawn in some places looks really cute i like the alex kid games i've played a few of them on my on my free time and um i did enjoy them they are rather simplistic puzzle Uh, slash platformer games it's probably going to be a buy for me Um, it's due out in june of 2021 june 24th specifically so i'm going to keep it on my wish list and i will pick it up great great so let's say you want to Listen to us, contact us, and support us. Good news for you. Listening to us is easy. You're already uh, well on your way to finishing this episode, so you have completed that task. But if you want to tell people how to listen to us, you can tell them that we are available on every podcasting application that w- we're aware of, which is uh, CastBox, uh, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. Does Google have a podcast application? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're we on a it. Podcast.
1: Yeah yeah we're on it so yeah we're on everything We're, we're just on all these podcasting applications it's great however if there's a podcasting application that you are aware of that we're not on let us know, uh, and we'll try our best to get on it. And the way you can let us know is if you go to our website, ClassicGamingBrothers.com, you can visit our contact page, which has a contact form that you just fill out. You put in your name, contact information, and your message. It'll shoot us an email. Now, if that's not your style, you can just send us an email directly. ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com or ClassicGamingBrothers at ClassicGamingBrothers.com. We're also able to be reached via our social media, which you can follow us on. That's uh, Facebook and Instagram, our Classic our Classic Gaming Brothers, our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. We're also available on Twitch, which is twitch.tv forward slash classic gaming brothers. Again, like and subscribe us on all those places. You can also contact us there. And by liking and subscribing us on those places, you are supporting us. So that's how you can support us in the long run. Um, because the part of listening to a podcast and enjoying a podcast is just letting us know that you like the podcast. You know, it's not mandatory. Um, But we we do want to hear from our fans. So if you like the podcast, if you uh, like what we do, let us know by sharing us, um, you know, ringing bells, subscribing, doing all those things that you would do just to show the support that um, you have for the podcast. That's all stuff that we appreciate, uh, as well as just getting in touch with us. So if you have a suggestion or a correction or criticism, let us know. We really will. Lo- we really would love to hear it, and we we actively encourage our fans to reach out to us so that we are aware of any criticisms or any co- um or any questions or uh, recommendations that they have. So that's um really all the best ways to listen to us contact us and support us. Now, the, lastly, if you want to purchase any of our merchandise, we do have some merchandise available on our website, which again, classicgamingbrothers.com. If you go to our store, we have a shirt and we have a mug. Both were designed by our artist and, um, you know, he does some great art for us. He he designed not only our main logo, but he also designed on our Facebook page, our little um uh, header thing. So be sure if you're interested in owning anything with our face on it for whatever reason to uh, pick up something and uh uh, on your own time Uh, i think that's everything so uh seth did i forget anything i probably did
0: don't play games like my brother
1: and don't play games like my brother
0: i've been seth and i've been zach and we've been the classic gaming brothers that's
1: fatality
0: fatality so you really did you you liked the the movie
1: yeah it was really fun uh it was a bad movie